Geek Shop. You're running late for your first date. It's raining. Or maybe there's a hair in your French toast. You're orphaned and then sold off into slavery. What? You know, the kinds of things that bug us all the most. And here's what you do. Crush your enemies, see them driven before you. Crush your enemies, hear the cries of their women. When you feel your life's unjust, find the ones who so distrust. Crush your enemies, see them driven before you. We're going to have to wear a fat suit. He might oh. have to. Or maybe they'll just make it they'll part of the story. Write it in the script. Of course, put him in a fat suit. Jesus, Christ. you're right. That would be work. <laughs> <laughs> My God, <laughs> I am sad that we're not getting a Clerks three though. I would like a Clerks. Oh, sure, uh, sure, we're not. Well, we're not considering the, the actor that plays Randall is just out. He, he, he they, he, they he had was, to do a lot of begging to get him in for. He, Clerks he was two. out the first time. No, they had to get a lot of begging to get him back in for part two. So he's, he's just not Why? What does Randall have going on that's that great? No, he just doesn't care for doing acting anymore. It's, ever. Well, it also, the way that Miramax and at the time and uh, um, was a Weinstein company for the sequel, right? Yeah. For part two, really kind of dicked him over. So, mm. you know. Oh, Harvey Weinstein fucking other people over. Oh. This time, metaphorically. Hide your potted plants, folks. He loved working with Kevin Smith and you know working with the cast and the crew, but he absolutely hated the studio and the way they treated him. So yeah, they just what Todd said. They did what a they lot do? of begging to get him back. I don't know the specifics, but I something know to do with salary and casting think, couch. Something. Well, no, like what they had promised him versus what they actually paid him was part of it. But there, there was there was more stuff behind the scenes. He's and, the guy that plays Randall. How much of a figure is he? You know. Demanding, yeah, sure. but but to be fair, in Clerks one and two, that's a pivotal character. You can't sure. really do those without those characters, right? You yeah. couldn't recast that with somebody else who could do that voice. No, now frankly, you you really couldn't. And if you're not interested in acting in the first place, yeah, and and Kevin Smith is also fiercely loyal to his friends. That's friend, true. The so fiercely loyal part's going to stop him recasting. The fact, yeah, exactly. The fact that you know that is a close friend of his that he would not recast that role. He would he would refuse to do that. Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number four sixty three. I'm Master Torgo, eighties Jeff, Commander K. Fact check, Andy. And we're talking week and geek and all the people that were at the Vegas Valley Comic Book Festival. If this is your first time hearing. Uh, sorry, um, <laughs> no. I, I, welcome. It's glad to, glad to have you. We had a good time this weekend. Welcome, uh, hope everyone. You, hope you enjoy those free cars you got because everybody got a car thank, who showed up. Thank goodness. Yeah, the room wasn't full. I can't afford that many Audis. Yeah, yeah. no, that's oh. true. We that's thought true. we were going to get away with it at the beginning because there was only like one car to give away, but by the end there were 20 or 30 cars to yeah, give away. Yeah, there yeah, were yeah. three <laughs> cars. We weren't going to make that's the ladies right. share three. Once the cars. word got out, people started coming in. Yeah, cars. Yeah, that, they'll bring them in. All that the, all that the homeless guy was the tipping point. Mm. <laughs> yeah. That dude deserved a car. <laughs> and, and a burger, so yeah. 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 Well, we gave him his his uh, five dollar food off voucher. Right. Exactly. That's right. And they work everywhere, <laughs> except for where they don't. Yeah. <laughs> A little inside baseball for you. Phil. <laughs> 
Uh, no, I had a great time. I, I love when that thing comes. It, it's small, it's adorable, and it's just plain fun. And they get great people to show yes, up. Yes, yes, they mean, do. Amy Chu came this time, for goodness sake. She was, she was in there a few times. Yeah. I, I had um, lunch with her uh, a couple years ago. PDX yeah. broadsides. Yes, they were great. That, Absolutely. That was the highlight for sure. Uh, they are a filk group from Portland. Uh, <laughs> filk is one of Barry's favorite genres of music. It's folk inspired by genre. Right. So whether, whatever your geeky genre is, uh, the geekier, the filkier mm-hmm. when it comes down to it. And <laughs> I keep hearing filth. This is awesome. <laughs> They're a filth group. The geekier, the filthier. <laughs> but PDX Broadsides, oh, they are good at what they do. Good. Yeah, they are. Uh, in fact, they had that, that nerd love song. Yes. Dude, that brought me to tears. Oh, yeah. I, I, was, I was, I my ears, in fact, before the show, I listened to it again, and it brought me right back to tears. It's, it's that, that song is bright. Mm-hmm. So check them out, PDX Broadsides, if if that's your thing. I'll probably put a piece of their music in just the bumpers for this yeah. show. Uh, you know, you know, you already got my vote for which piece of music it is. Uh, which one? The 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 the, the uh, Conan one. Oh, okay, yeah. that's a pretty good one. Yeah, O'Brien. Good. Yes, Conan, an, the Conan O'Brien. Yeah, one. It's not Robert E. Howard's. Not Conan, at all. But it's good. It never would be. It's Filk, man. They don't do Conan. He did write Simpsons. Right. He did write Simpsons. Conan wrote Simpsons. Yes, that's why Bart is always talking about the weep, the weeping and lamentation of their oh, women. Oh, okay. I was wondering about that. Don't have a cow with your weeping lamentation, women. Yeah, now I get it. Oh. Wow, Crom. Uh, I I do. There's... Don't have a Crom. <laughs> you guys, did you ever meet that non-sports card guy that I told you to go no, find? No, we did not. Nope. God damn it! You should have gone to find that's him. That's fine. I I I enjoyed your story immensely. <laughs> yep. There was one dude there. That has opened up a non-sports card collecting brick-and-mortar store. Right. So, yeah, no baseball cards, no football cards. It's right. all movies, television, and non-sports cards. I have no idea how this store could last because... Um, it didn't. It's already closed down once. And yeah, he's this, he said he tried it once and it didn't work. Now he has a new uh, online plan as well as the brick and mortar That's store. That's the key. You get the oh. online going and you're strong. But that store somewhere between where you and I live, okay, on Sunset, oh. East Sunset. So I got to find this store. Plus, they just released some new Fallout cards. Hmm. <laughs> so okay. I, I'm hoping he carries them because... I That's have, the only place I could figure out that might actually carry that. I have a few weird sets of collectible cards that I've kept held on of to. Of course. Yeah. I got the Andy Griffith set. I got them holding on to that. Yeah, of course. The, the ori- old ones? Uh, the, they were the ones they did in the 80s. The okay. Andy so, so, Taylor? So Andy Taylor has, has Andy, Andy Taylor, Taylor cards. cards. Yes. <laughs> yes. And uh, There's a joke in there somewhere, but... I, I have a full set of uh, Dinosaurs Attacks that I actually got by buying packs. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and you know what? Kudos to anyone out there that collected a whole set by getting packs. That's wow, impressive. That's work. Yes. And I, I actually love that aspect of card collecting. It, I, I refuse to get back into it, but that's the part that calls to me. 
Mm-hmm. And, and I refuse <laughs> to heed the call. Collect me. But the dude that runs this shop mm. was giving me the hard sell. Oh, yeah. Uh, he thought I was a comic book shop owner because I had show credentials for, okay. for, for the podcast. You were looking very professional. Uh, I, apparently. I, 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 I throw on <laughs> it's a, all an illusion. Yeah, I throw on a, a blazer over my normal yep. fatty nerdwear, and somehow I become... Fatty or fatty? Fatty. Oh, okay. As in, I have the fat. Hey, okay, go ahead and continue your story, but okay. come back to me, because I got a question. Okay. And the dude went for a good eight minutes just pitching this shop to me. Like over and over and over, and and he get up close and like and I can tell that you're a, and he had kind of a New York accent. I, I can tell that you're 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 a straight up guy. So I'm gonna tell you right now, I have some fucking great cards in there. And there's this is weird things like that. He's like get, like get up close and, and like like I, I can I can tell you're cool. So I'm gonna use the f word. I, what are you doing? <laughs> That's funny. That's but, funny, but I but at the same time I was enjoying this this New York pitch that I was getting for this non sports card shop. Yeah. Physical therapy tech Angelica loved him. Oh yeah, she had a ball. She she talked to him too. <laughs> yes. Oh good. And Lord. she was like, "You guys have got to go see him. Are you going to go see him now?" I'm like, "No, <laughs> you guys, you've covered it. I I'm, like, I'm going to go into his shop, and I'll bet when I'm in his shop, he is going to sell me on his shop." And tell me mm-hmm. to come to his shop that I'm already in. Yeah. It's that's the kind of guy he I is. Mean, he's gonna have a he it sounds like he needs a trench coat and then he just opens up a side and it's all hanging with cards. I, I got I got Sopranos here, I got three stooges. Yep. <laughs> what you uh, Disney? I got I got specials on Disney. I got a dollar a card on, on, on the Disney cards. Come on in, come and check them out. I got a chrome Mickey Mantle. Whoa, what's that doing in there? Oh yeah. <laughs> Whoa! He, he will throw you out of the shop and bring up Mickey Mantle. <laughs> That is not what we do here. <laughs> yeah, was, you you know, was... ICS needs to do a thing where Matt and Paul go in there and Paul salivates and Matt gets bored as hell. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, and, my And don't God. tell Matt beforehand oh, that yeah. it, there are no sports. Just, you know, oh, we're going to a collectible card shop. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, any other thoughts about the uh, Vegas Valley Comic Con? Well, it was great meeting Angelica and, you know, a couple oh. of other regular fans. Angelica yeah. was super sweet. Special she, thanks to everybody friends. that came out. We got art. Yeah, she made us a little art piece. Wow. For I, I put it up on the on the uh, that's now the head of our our Twitter feed. So, so right. you can see it there. We, we gave we gave her responsibilities. No, <laughs> she's done her part. <laughs> she, she's our Twitter. No, no Andy, that's he said not. the art is the head of the Twitter feed. The art, the inanimate object. How can we be the head of anything? If you go to our Twitter feed, it's the picture on the top. <laughs> She's not the new head of our Twitter feed. <laughs> oh, Andy. <laughs> um, I like it because it's one day. It's, yes. It's not this exhausting friggin' week and there's, you know, over and over, you just, you, you blow in and you blow out a little early, you know, on my account, actually. Andy toughed it out because he's suicidal. But that uh, was guy was several people's rides. Well, you, you could have come back, <laughs> yeah. go home, take a nap. Yeah, I, I I would have liked to have stayed for the where we live panel. It was amazing. It was it was very long, 
And it was very intense, and it was a little sad, but uh, it was amazing. Now, tell people about Where We Live. Where We Live is a benefit comic uh, for the uh, victims of the Harvest 91 thing on October 1st. That was the shooting in the worst The worst shooting in the United States. Yeah. So far. So far. Yeah, I and it, I hate that I have yeah, to preface it, it that way, but yeah, I give it a few so months. far, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a guy that does caricatures in front of the Bellagio. Uh, he and his wife did a really great four or five page guy named Laramie Taylor. Good, good last name. It's good last name. Silv Taylor, and uh, Laramie's in a wheelchair. He's you know his arms and legs are you know not fully developed, so he drew this wonderful, beautiful thing with his mouth. Oh wow! wow. It's just and you would, you would have no idea except there's pictures of him there, you know that he drew beautifully. Wow. So where we live. <clears throat> yeah. And, and and the money for that comic goes to goes to the victims, goes yeah. to the people to help their medical bills and their therapy bills and all that. Yeah, I bought my comic, uh, my ver- my copy of it at the uh, amazing Las Vegas Comic Con back in very nice back in July. But I mean, just you know, aside from the charity aspects of it, it's a three hundred dollar twenty dollar book. Yeah, I mean, it's the three hundred three hundred. Oh. It's a three hundred pages. Okay. For twenty bucks, excuse me. I say three hundred dollars, twenty dollars book. Three hundred pages. To be fair to Andy, the thing should be worth three hundred dollars because it, it, the talent that they got, uh, the artistry that's in there, it's worth may way more than the twenty dollars they're they're charging Ooh, for. And the wow. stories are yeah, beautifully wide ranging. There, they're all they're all wonderful, but they they're all over the place as far as tone. I haven't been able to finish it yet. I, I talked to Warren uh, Wusinich, uh, who has, actually has a first story in there, mm-hmm. and uh, he said it took him like 12 uh, sessions to get through it because it was, it was just devastating. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't been able to read too much of it because start getting... Start getting uh you know too much of the feels and I yeah. gotta put it down because yeah, I just can't make you feel yeah I can't I can't read it any further it just takes too much out of me but that's not any that's not a knock against the rook book it's actually a huge compliment because it yeah. really you know is it's evocative in- feeling wise it's intense it's full of local comic people's uh, work and then a whole bunch of famous I mean Neil Gaiman has a piece in there and uh, there's there's a couple of essays by local writers so it's 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 yeah well worth the well worth the 20 bucks anything else gentlemen uh the um what was the guy's name that set us up in the room the tech guy he was Ellis Ellis was amazing yes. so big shout out to Ellis he uh he uh got us all tied into the audio system and adjusted it and the lighting as the even, as the we as the show lighting. went on, yeah. it was it was really really pretty awesome, and he did a fantastic job. So. Lighting's crucial for a podcast. Yeah. I don't know what <laughs> you know. Nobody talks about that, but <clears throat> get your lighting right. So we do have it recorded as a bank show. Yeah. So uh, one of these times that we cannot do the show, we will yeah. put it in display. You can they, bank on it. You, yeah, they recorded you. an episode of uh, Jay and Miles. Shout out to Jay and Miles if they somehow happened to be listening to this. But Jay and Miles were there too and they did their podcast. And if you hear that podcast, you can hear me and Kay both ask a question. Ah. Yeah. That's Ooh. right. We participate. Yeah. I actually, uh, it's, it's fun because I asked them specifically about Deadpool. So that was in, uh, interesting to get their response there. Mm-hmm. If I had a Deadpool chance. the movie or Deadpool? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I didn't yeah. know if the, one of the newer comics. The movies, because you know, I haven't listened to them in a while, so I didn't know if they had weighed in on the movies or not. The episode they covered, the, the, this episode that 
they did here at the at the con was uh, about the X Men and Dracula. Perfect. Yes, yes, because because Dracula is a character in Marvel Comics. Yes, and he crossed, I had no idea. And he crossed over the X Men. Oh, Tomb of Dracula is an amazing book. Yeah, yeah. Tomb of Dracula is where uh, Blade comes from. Oh, really? Um, but uh, a bunch of other. I mean, it was, it was well written. Gene Colan art for most of it. Yeah. Um, great stuff. But uh, yeah, they pointed out that uh, Chris Claremont sort of, I guess, Tomb of Dracula was not running at that point. No. So the characters were sort of sitting here in limbo. So Chris Claremont took one of the main characters from Tomb of Dracula. Rachel Van Helsing. Exactly. And offed her. <laughs> it turned into a vampire, and then she offed herself at the end of the book. Yeah. You see, with me and Marvel, I know a lot about a little of the Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. I just don't know all the really obscure stuff. No, there's so much. Yeah. I, I'm sure, but I've always been a DC guy, so, I mean, it, shoot, I... I even got into Marvel Comics late. I was probably in my teens already when I started reading Marvel stuff. Still am learning things every day. Even when they introduce a new character in a move in one of the Marvel you know, Marvel movies. Yep. You know. You're like, who this? Yep. So well, Jay and Miles explain the X Men, uh PDX broadsides, and Bells can point well and then the Where We Live was great and um There was one thing I like Lug of. One thing I absolutely lug of that PDX Broadsize does is, of course, they have their CDs available, Mm -hmm. but they also have all their albums available on a singular flash drive. Which is what I bought. Which is what I bought. Yeah. It's Mm. it's brilliant. Yep. Uh, So thank you. And and musicians out there, uh, think about that, because that's a brilliant live way of selling you shit. You you know what? Um, That just popped up on my job the other day. Is somebody posted uh, a, a a laugh at this video, giving some uh, millennials or even younger Gen Z or whatever the hell they are some CDs, and oh, they were like, "How does this work? What what how? Where's the muse? How do you do this?" And that the CDs were confusing them. Yeah. So mm. for some, yeah, digital kids, sure. is all is all that all that's out there. At the uh, um, uh, uh, oh. at 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 use your words, Andy. The thing. <laughs> no, at uh, at um. No, I'm gone. My You're brain gone. just my brain You're just good? fried out. You all right. Yep, I yeah. can't come up with the name of the oh, scoop fest at the scoop fest. <laughs> I can't come up with the word scoop fest. We're doomed. <laughs> at scoop fest, there was a time in the game room when it was just uh, Matt's young children. And uh, me and their grandmother, Aww. and they're trying to play video games, and they're holding the controllers and just twisted the controllers in the air, hoping it will make the game move in some way. That's how we work. <laughs> yes, exactly. But that's apparently all they're familiar with is Wii. The, uh, the <laughs> concept of pressing buttons was foreign to them. That, well, <laughs> <laughs> wow. As, as opposed to the good old days when we used to give Duncan a controller right. and. and tuck it underneath the Xbox and then turn on cartoons. Mm. Oh, wow. And then we'd play games while Duncan would sit there staring at the... He, he figured it out eventually, so yeah. we, so we he, only could So do he it. was playing the cartoon? Is that what he was yeah. doing? Mm. Yeah. He, I mean, he really was just, like, focused. <laughs> As a kid, I would do that on purpose. <laughs> uh, Saturday morning cartoons, I would grab the Atari controller and... Pretend I was controlling the cartoon. Really? Yeah. And look at how wow. far Duncan has come. Now he can. Now today, this week, he learned how to ride a bike. See. <laughs> <laughs> so, so those those videos were for real. Then, those were really for I, real. I thought this was a a Andy prolonged joke. Nope. 
Yep. His, like the very first picture he put up is Duncan laying on the ground and the bicycle <laughs> in in askewed to the side. <laughs> That's okay. The the Generation Z videos, you just show on the bike there. How does this work? How does yeah, this make really? music? Mm. Reminds me of that girl I knew at Star Trek who's like, you know, you have to turn the key to unlock the door to the car. And just like, bum, bum, bum. Yeah. She was lost without a, a fob. Boop, boop. So you fobs, what geeky things you do this week? <laughs> I went, well, to, I went to the Vegas Valley Comedy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did too. What about you, Andy? You yeah, did too? I and did, Torgo? Yeah. Wow. Um, I got through the main story of um, Arkham City. Nice. Ah. Yeah, that was fun. I'm, I'm just doing all the cleanup missions, all the ah, yes, all little, little, side, little side quests and, and stuff. Joker stuff. I'm not Joker stuff. Riddler stuff. Riddler stuff. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Saving, saving, Mister Freeze's Doctor Freeze, Mister Freeze, Mister Freeze's wife, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. That is, uh, you know what, the Arkham games, pretty damn good. Yeah. I have to. You know what? Not only do we have to put you in the VR system again. Oh yeah. And play the Arkham VR game. There's an Arkham VR game? Yes. Yep. Oh, hell, we're doing that. But <laughs> we're, we're, we're going to put you in the VR system to play it, and we're just going to watch you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you need to videotape me. Yeah. That's, that's, we'll that's, do an actual play, and it'll be the video will be on Andy. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a short game. The whole thing takes a place in about hour tops. Perfect. I don't even think it's that long. Probably not. But it's a great VR experience. Yeah, we found our first Let's Play. We got to the... Get out some insurance, because we all know what happened last time Andy played VR. <laughs> oh, we have to figure out a way to clear out yeah, everything in the middle the, of the room. The table. Well, that and, and some eye insurance. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. I bought my we, eye we blinded last him time. last time. Yeah. Blue and I we, playing wait, VR. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> we blinded, to you, kids. We we blinded, blinded him science. with science. Uh, <laughs> right. It's fun in games until Andy yeah. puts his eye yeah. on. <laughs> um, Kay and I... Uh, played a bunch of games of uh, DC deck building with Professor Biggs. Ah, terrific. Uh, and we also played the Rick and Morty game, which his friends said sucked, and so fuck his friends. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I assume that's under the Cryptozoic? It's the same engine as a DC deck building game. Okay. And uh, his his friends who knew the game, who didn't know Rick and Morty, didn't like it because they didn't know Rick and Morty, and his friends that knew Rick and Morty said it wasn't Rick and Morty enough. <laughs> it's like, let's... There's there's game mechanics that are involved here, guys. It's not not all about knowing who the pretty characters are, right? But uh, yeah, we we played that through a few times and enjoyed the heck out of it. But honestly, if you're gonna buy one deck building game, that DC deck building game has got it's miles hard, on it. It's hard to beat. Yeah. Although you know, I haven't tried to this day. Is it Dominion? Is that the name of that that original deck builder? Ascension Dominion. Uh, Ascension is not long after that, but I think Dominion is, is the Dominion? is the first one. Because I know a lot of people refer to that particular type of deck builder as the Ascension Engine. Okay, but yeah, it makes sense. I, I have played Ascension, right, and very very enjoyable. Okay, uh, but I haven't done that original one. I guess. How's no? Isn't what I'm, is Dominion? I mean, I assume it's fantasy or is it science fiction? Or if I remember right, it's. I mean, you're asking somebody who hasn't played it. So, oh, I thought you. No, Ascension. Oh, I have, but not Ascension. Dominion. Okay, uh, Dominion. If I remember right, it's more of a feudal society uh, building. Aren't all games feudal? Uh, <laughs> Damn it! I was just gonna say the same thing. <laughs> We've all become one hive mind. <laughs> oh, uh, I want to um, uh, mention a Twitter thing. It was really funny, actually. Um, I'm just going through my feed. Matt Colville shared someone from a Twitter 
person doc, uh, her, calls herself Dr. Witch Hazel. Um, she is actually a, uh, <clears throat> a historian, amongst mm-hmm. other things. And I, I think she actually works in gamings, if I, if I read her. Because some people now, they, the kids nowadays, their bios on Twitter, they can be hard to read. But anyway, I'm pretty sure she works in gaming, but she is also a historian. And she was talking about medieval uh, stuff, including life expectancy. Because most people don't know that when you say a society has a life expectancy of 30 years, they're factoring in infant mortality. And uh, actually, you know, people, if you survive to five years old, you probably will survive to 40 or 50 or 60 unless you're killed in war sure. or, or a plague or something. Once you get to the working age, you're safe. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So Once you can feed yourself. Somebody was talking about child marriages, and she's like, God damn it, this is such bullshit. It's actually, you know, royal marriages were dynastic political alliances, and they usually were not consummated until the the bride was, was in her late teens, uh, if not older, and... Uh, you know, and she was just going on about stuff, and I was reading through it, and I'm like, this is good history stuff. So I clicked follow and was rewarded not hours later when she actually tweeted somebody had said something about J.J. Uh, Abrams and The Last Jedi, and she, she tweeted, J.J. Um, loved The Last Jedi, so he's not going to change anything, and you, uh, you guys can just die mad. Oh, whoa! <laughs> I was like, love, and I hit the like, uh, I hit the heart button, and I then I shared it because I was just like, hey, you know, I come for the history and stay for the, the their the, love the, the, for the lols. Yeah, for the lols. I mean, I mean, she really, she really pummeled. A guy too. She 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 didn't you know because uh, a, a typical troll showed up and sure. was trying to be a jerk and she just kept beating him down. Dude, the moment you say I like the Last Jedi, oh, they come out. Yeah, yep. yeah, they do. They they, they want to tell you all about why your opinion is wrong. Yeah, yeah, and it, it was funny. It you know, and also yeah, she pointed out you know JJ was okay with the Last Jedi, so don't get too excited about everything changing. But it was. That was rich, and, and, um, and, and yeah, and, and I, I don't know her name, and I, I, you're right. That original history post about marriage ages, I learned something that day. Yeah. Oh, you read that one too? Yes. Okay. I, I don't know where I came across her, but well, probably my retweet. It might have been because I, I shared that because it, <clears throat> yeah, it's a common misconception. Yeah, there that were most marriages in that time were in the early their early twenties. Yeah, for the royalty. Yeah, they might be married in a ceremony at seven, but almost every single royal marriage, you find out that the firstborn was uh, like 11 years later, 12 years later. So they wait. Because they were aware at the time that if if the bride gives birth too soon at too yeah. young of age, that that's not going to be a well child. Right. Childhood, at, as uh, Dr. Witch Hazel said, childhood is fucking, no, childbirth is fucking deadly. Yes. Yeah, so. Good stuff there. Oh, yeah, the, 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 guy, she was, the guy she was pounding on was just like, 
oh, I see you've got a lot of ego and hubris in your blah, 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 blah. And she replied, yes, I'm that cunt. And it, <laughs> it was just like, yeah. Oh, oh I like her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It was great. It was great. I went and saw Bohemian Rhapsody. Did you? This weekend. Everyone, I've, I've seen Fantastic a lot. Fantastic movie. That's what I wanted to hear. Ah, I've been seeing a lot of love on, 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 the, on the internet about it from friends and a lot of hate from the critics. I don't know what the hate is about. I will say the first half of the movie mm-hmm. is kind of your standard biopic fare. The second half of the movie will fucking destroy you, especially if you lived in that era. Oh, wow. wow. Because if you paid attention to any of the stuff that went on, I mean, it's... It's kind of sad and kind of happy tears about, you know, because the first half is, you know, the, the start off of the band. And then the second half is, I won't say the decline of the band, but basically the decline of Freddie Mercury. And I, his I saw but, one of the uh, trailers for it, uh-huh. and it was just a little quip of them working out how Bohemian Rhapsody was going to go. Uh-huh. And I, that, that alone made me want to watch the movie. Uh, yeah, that, that scene is fascinating because mm. apparently both Brian May and Roger Taylor had input on that scene mm. and said this is what we recall of the session wow um nice. and th- so that was put into there um yeah it just that so well written it's fun and then like i said it's it really pu- pulls at your heartstrings that second half mm. especially if you've ever known anybody you know that's in your life that's had a disease and watched them decline because it's you know you know they fight uh. to the bitter end I, you know, I started getting a little more into it than I thought I, w- I had thought I was going to. Nice. That, that like finally. Todd listening but, to PDX. But I will say it's definitely worth a watch. I highly recommend it. I really, really enjoyed it. And if nothing more than just for the music alone, it's, fasc- it's fascinating. And Remy Malik puts in a freaking Oscar-worthy performance as Freddie Mercury. I mean, there were moments where I had seen interviews with Freddie Mercury and they're recreating on the screen. I, for a second or two, th- forgot that was not actually Freddie Mercury. Mm. Oh, wow. It, that That's how much he brought that, that version to life. Freddie Mercury is the character that he played in real life. I mean, the, the actual person. He was very flamboyant and very outspoken in, in public life. Not a huge as well fan as of, I'm not a huge fan of biopics, but I immediately myself yeah. that I wanted to see it. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I am, and but it depends on the material. Yeah, and this one was one that just fascinated me from the beginning, especially the fact that this film even got made because Brian Singer originally started as the director mm-hmm. and was ousted. And the Sasha Bowen Baron Cohen thing going on too, right? Wasn't he supposed to be doing a something? Version of it? There like was something that. about that, yeah. And I forgot. I, I, I'm forgetting right now who the guy is that came in and finished the film uh the the director for bohemian rhapsody but yes absolutely go see it hmm. if especially if you're old enough to remember queen because i mean actually you know what even if you're not old enough to remember queen queen influenced a lot of modern day bands and that's something i was noticing listening to sirius xm this weekend they had interviews with a lot of different bands even like some of your more modern day fair whose names, I forgive me, I would not recall because they're not bands that I listen to, but they're talking about how the operatic nature of the way Queen wrote. Even their last big epic, Innuendo, yeah. is if, if you're a fan of Bohemian Rhapsody and you haven't heard the song Innuendo from their last album, 
you need to unfuck that. It's an yeah. amazing song in that very extended exploration of music style. It has a flamenco break. It has an operatic break. It is an impressive song. Well, they were they were experimental at a time where people didn't really try new things like that. And they were always trying, with each album, they were trying to outdo themselves. You know, they weren't, they were trying not to be formulaic and they wanted it to have a quote, queen sound, but not sound exactly like every other song they had done. They did some great soundtracks too, oh, which yeah. is bizarre. Yeah. The, the thing with the queen sound is that, yeah, you know it's queen when you hear it, but few queen songs ever sound like other queen songs. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, but the Flash That's Gordon really soundtrack, good. the Highlander, Highlander soundtrack. In fact, there was a moment in there where they used the song Who Wants to Live Forever mm-hmm. from there, but the way they used it, I was fucking balling in the theater, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. Dude, I just, I, I was like, I'm picking up the napkins, and I'm like wiping the tears away from my aw. face, and I'm just like, fuck, that, it hit me hard. That's a powerful song. I mean, it, it is a powerful movie, song. it's powerful, too, but I mean, yeah. yeah but the, Dude, I but, couldn't listen, I can't listen to that song without attaching it to it, an emotional moment. Mm. That song just gets me. Yep. Yeah. And so like, ugh, uh, mm, no. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, in, in the context of Highlander, when you think about, you know, he's he's been alive for so long, he's lost all the people he's ever cared about and so on, and, and he, he nothing he do will, quote, end his right, suffering. Right. It's a powerful song. Yeah. And then the way they used it in this film, I was just, you know, without being spoilery, it fucking hit me mm-hmm. like a ton of bricks. I have a CD. I can see uh, your, your eyes welling up now. Yeah, a little bit. It. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I have a CD of Shirley Bassey doing various movie songs. I and don't want to hear it. She, no, she does a cover of <laughs> Who Wants to Live Forever that's like, wow, there's a 80-year-old woman singing Who Wants to Live Forever. It's amazing. Right? Yeah. What sold me it on it uh, is I saw a clip of Mike Myers appearing on Colbert. Wow. And Yeah, he, he makes an appearance in they the They were film. talking about... Because he appears as a composite character of a record executive. Yes. And they apparently they called him to say, would you like to play the exec who says Bohemian Rhapsody will never work? And he was like, oh, I'd love that. And he came in to play that exec. And uh, they showed the clip on Colbert, and it's actually hilarious. Oh, my God, that scene is... I was I was laughing. There were uh, I went to a really late show, so there were only about 10 of us in the theater. But the previous showings that day were all sold out. Um, but I was laughing my ass off in that scene because not only do they reference history, but they also do a side reference to like Wayne's World and so forth. Yep. Yeah. And it that clip, I believe, is online, the one that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. I had not seen it before, but I've since found it after I saw the movie because I, I was trying not to watch too many extended sure. clips, but... Yeah. Yes, the the fact that they brought Mike Myers in and it's not only the the composite of that record exec, but he's making fun of uh, EMI Records as well as his own movie. So yeah, wow. yeah, it, it 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 was hilarious. He also told a story about using Bohemian Rhapsody in Wayne's World because apparently the exe- the studio wanted him to use GNR, and he he was like, "That's not what I grew up with." Yeah. You know, I understand why you want to do it now, but that's not, and he said that he actually fought hard for it. And uh mm-hmm. Lorne Michaels eventually caved. So that was my introduction to that song. Really? I've never heard wow. Bohemian Rhapsody. As a theater kid, I never heard Bohemian Rhapsody until Holy I saw shit. Wayne's World. 
It, it, Holy you know, shit, what a way to be know, introduced to that song. <laughs> to be honest, that was my introduction too. I knew Queen and I knew several Queen songs, but that was not one that I had heard. Sure. I knew We Will Rock You, We Are the Champions, you know, the yeah. the, the ones that you hear everywhere. But Hammer to Fall, you know, all those other songs. I, I knew one. all the ones that got, <laughs> that you know. Another oh. one. Well, another one rides the bus. Well, yeah, that does help. <laughs> Weird Al does help in that. Yes, but uh, yeah, I had heard bits of it, but I had never seen heard it all the way through. Interesting story. Um, I got the CD after Wayne's World came out, the soundtrack CD, and I was playing it at home. And my dad, who at the time, early '90s, was just not into rock and roll anything, comes out and he's like, "What's this you're listening to?" And I said, oh, it's a song by the band Queen. It's called Bohemian Rhapsody. And he's like, start it over, would you? And I'm like, okay. He absolutely ate it up. He uh. loved it. He said, this is like this is like opera. It's like, it's <laughs> so, the sound is so full. And he's going on. He's doing like a critical analysis of the song and breaking it down about why it's so good. And, and he's like, I, I've got to do some reason. I got to find out what all these different lyrics is. I was like, I didn't have the heart to tell him that they kind of jumble a lot of different things together sure. for the narrative. So it's kind of a, a faux narrative just to make the song work. But at any rate, he absolutely ate it up, and I, I was I was so damned impressed with myself at the time that I had introduced my dad to something that he should have known before I ever yeah. would have. Yeah, my uh, middle school choir, we participated in the NISMA, the New York State School Music Association uh, <clears throat> concert uh, evaluation. Our music director, our choir director, Mrs. Heck, actually created an arrangement for us to do of we are the champions oh wow and we uh we did that and we were one of the better choirs in uh, uh on long island so we when we participated in the state thing we were rated a plus and and actually uh it, it was really really it was really an amazing experience that song and uh that whole wow that whole thing and that's always stuck in my head about Queen now. We Are the Champions was my introduction to Queen. I had mentioned before on the show that one of the first albums I remember ever buying, as or wanting as a kid had my parents buy for me, was Spaced Out Disco. Sure, uh, yes. right? And, that's, and that had the Close Encounters theme that scared the crap out of me. Oh, yeah. And then the Star Wars disco and Star Trek disco themes. Yep. And and then it had hits from that time. Uh, there was this uh, song from ABBA on there. Short People was on there. <laughs> and We Are the Champions was mm-hmm. on there. And so... I remember that. I, Star Wars was my introduction to Queen, I guess. <laughs> wow. That's what I'm trying nice. to say. I had that same album, too. We had a, My dad bought it on vinyl at a garage sale for me. Spaced like, out disco, like, bro. Yeah, it was like 50 cents or something like that. Mm. I don't know what happened to it, but I love the artwork on the cover because it was funny. They basically had a flipped over version of the Enterprise that they tried to make it look like it upside down. It was right side up to, so they could try to, quote unquote, get they around They had different the covers. Topper. Yeah. And uh, your your cover probably would have done me better because my cover was based off the cl- Close Encounters of the Third Kind with that light in the distance in the, ro- right. the road. and. That coupled with, I still hadn't seen Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and that coupled 
with that music. Do 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 do. Boop boop. I I was a scared shitless child. One <laughs> <laughs> of the things you do this killer week, queen. Guys? I had I had to look up when Kiss songs came out to figure out with that because I I knew about that. I, I, obviously, I'm older than you guys. Yes. And uh, um, I was like, well, as you guys were talking, I was trying to figure out what my first Queen, uh, queen song yeah. was. It's Killer Queen. Still one of my favorites. Yeah. What else do we do this week, gentlemen? What think, else we do? That's a lot. I think it is good. a lot. That is a lot. Yeah. Uh, a few things I will bring up. Things I did mostly the week prior. Uh, one, I've been watching Eli Roth's History of Horror on AMC Visionaries. That's fascinating. Great series. Uh, even if you don't care much for Eli Roth, I'm not a huge fan, but he's put together a great Visionaries uh, set of episodes. So if you're interested in history horror, AMC's history horror put together by Eli Roth is really good. I will <laughs> I will add to that by saying I'm not a fan of Rob Zombie's films, but Rob Zombie in interviews is fascinating because yes. he's super knowledgeable about film history, especially horror film history. So. Uh, and history, so I will listen to him like in industry. interviews all the time because he's he's fascinating to listen to. Yeah, and he, he has interesting perspectives on things. Even though, like I said, I'm not huge fan of his his films. It's obvious he grew up with exploitation yes. cinema. Yeah, exactly, and it's obvious that he's he's done a lot of research on his own. Very much so, and of course, White Zombie is the yeah. personification of that. Sure. Uh, also. It finished in mid-October, but I was really impressed with PBS and their Great American Read. Okay. They had, on PBS, it was a episode a week, and it was covering the 100 greatest books, uh, according to whoever decided what was Sure. Not. And it wasn't just, even though it was the Great American Read, it wasn't just American books. And you could go vote on ones that you liked and so on. And whoever got the most votes, they would rank them in order. What I was really impressed by in Great American Read is that Swan Song by Robert McCammon was in that top 100 books. We're, we're talking all, all the, you know, Jane Eyre. We're talking Little Women. Mm-hmm. Books that are known by everybody as these are classic literature. The, to Kill a Mockingbird, which I think won the whole thing. Uh, Outlander was on there. Harry Potter was on there. Uh, the Stand by Stephen King. Uh, Dracula was not on there, by mm-hmm. the way. Deservedly so. And <laughs> uh, <laughs> But Swan Song was the first book that I said, as far as a novel goes, that I'm like, this is my favorite book of all time. Uh, Robert McCammon was a Stephen King contemporary in the 80s. He wrote horror novels and a lot of them. He wrote throughout the 80s, a little into the early 90s, and then retired from authorship for a while. He came back in the aughts and uh, has been writing ever since. Oh. Uh, But Robert McCammon was right up there with Stephen King for me, and Swan Song was the book. So to see... Robert McCammon in that hundred was mind blowing to me. We're, we're, we're talking literary circles here. We're, we're, mm-hmm. we're, this is PBS. Right. This is a dignity you right. don't expect to be conferred yeah, on this, the this genre. This is a Char's book club. This is yeah. And not only was he one of the hundred, 
but he also was one of the presenters in the final episode that was a a live presentation kind of thing, an awards program. Wow. So to see him presenting an award up there, I believe he was with Amy Tan, if that says anything. So I just want to say congratulations to Robert McCammon, one of my favorite horror authors going way back. And if you haven't read Swan Song, it is in the apocalyptic kind of fiction. It is really good. Uh, search it out. It's not a short book. It's about 700, 800 pages. Mm. But terrific read. And I've played a lot of Red Dead Redemption mm. this week. Yeah, I, I've, painted, I've painted no minis. You mean ride your horse for 20 minutes? Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to help fix your life, Jeff. Yeah. I'm gonna, right here. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you how to stop that. Okay. All right. Don't ride a horse. Save your money. Okay. Go do missions and save that money. All right. The leader of your camp is Dutch. Right. All right. If you upgrade his tent, he gets other people to throw in more money for the pool. Okay. Because the money that you save for the your group, your gang, that's been, the money you use to upgrade your camp. Because I've been putting money in the box every yes. time I go on a mission. To to do what I'm about, I'm about to tell you to okay. do, I up I put two hundred dollars of my own money. That's, oh wow! That's eighteen ninety nine money. Wow! All right. That's a lot of goddamn money. That's like twenty thousand yeah. dollars today. Yes. Because the second upgrade for Dutch's tent is fast travel. Is fast travel okay? It'll save your life. Because man, I played. Uh, <laughs> I played um, the other night. I only had like about an hour, hour and a half to play, and uh, I took on a mission. I drove. It drove. I I rode that horse for about fifteen to twenty minutes to get to the the town. And just as I'm getting there, I realize that there's a bounty on my head in this town, and the police come out of you know the marshals and the you know the sheriffs come out of nowhere and they just start shooting at me. And I put my horse into full gallop and I could not get away from him and I died. Uh, and so yeah, and then. Fortunately, there was another mission nearby that was not in a town that had a bounty on me. So I did that mission and then spent another 15, 20 minutes riding back to my camp so that I could uh, go deposit my money. And ugh, What are you doing to get all these bounties on you? I don't know. I just I, There's like three bounties on me in three different areas. I don't know. I literally don't know. Yeah, yeah tell it to the judge. Yeah, really. Like, Tell one of the them, hangman. One of them stemmed from me just riding my horse into town, and I accidentally bumped into this guy. Hurt he, him real bad. No, he was on. The guy was on a horse, so I bumped into him, and then uh, I stopped, and he comes galloping up, stops, pulls his gun out, and just starts shooting me. And then all of a sudden, bumped his horse. All of these other, you know, law enforcement people start shooting at me, and I'm like, "What the fuck? I didn't do anything." <laughs> So, yeah. Fun stuff. Nice. <laughs> I, I, I haven't had a single bounty on me on this game at all. How many people have you bumped? Uh, I d- you know what? There was one point I did bump somebody, but I got away. And there was no bounty on me. No one, sh- <laughs> no one shot me. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing differently. Oh, God. I, I will say this for Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, I still enjoy it, though, by the way. There is a lot of controller things. A lot of things to do on your controller. You press the two thumb buttons in to get this one thing, and that opens up a whole nother other set of buttons for you to do. 
there you can slow press the right trigger in that to do but how slow you press it how is how quickly you draw your there's a lot of things that this controller does and the game is slow in letting you know all the things because it doesn't want to overwhelm you up front right so hours into the game and I'm I'm probably play, put in about 8 hours into the game probably longer now to think about it I'm, the game is still teaching me concepts and opening up new side things for me to do. Like, you know, I finally learned how to make my horse gallop faster by pressing the A button in rhythm with the gallop. That's something I just learned. Oh, see, yeah, I didn't know that. Yep. Aha! Because where it's told me so far is like tapping A repeatedly will make your horse go faster. It, it, it does. I didn't realize it's a rhythm thing. But if you do it in rhythm, his stamina doesn't go down as fast. Oh. Because mm. so the only thing I've done so far is you tap it to get up to a certain speed, and then if you hold A... We're back he, to the punching the button into, to make the thing rise. He goes into a <laughs> rhythm and his stamina so, doesn't go down. So it's sort of like riding in a saddle. And how you bounce in rhythm to the horse yes. is less taxing on the horse and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Clever. What he said. Clever. There's so much to do in this game. It's ridiculous. Boy, oh, boy. And it's super pretty. We, we've, we've already said how oh, pretty it so is. So gorgeous. Uh, but, yeah, I, I just learned. You know, the game just opened up poker for me, and so now I've spent a ridiculous amount of time just playing poker. Oh, my God. Biggs and I spent Winning? about a half hour the other night. Watching YouTube clips of people riding their horses off cliffs. What? And, oh, uh, oh, in the game. Yeah. The <laughs> <Okay>. best. <laughs> the best Red Dead Redemption is the glitchy Red Dead Redemption. I'm I'm sad that the game gets patched over time. Yeah, I, I saw the clip, for, and, and that goes for the first one. I saw the clip of some yeah, the, somebody riding up to somebody who's trying to give him a quest. And a deer comes out of nowhere and plows her over. <laughs> yeah, somebody amazing. posted that in Shock Monkey's Lair. Yeah, that was yeah. great. The time a deer saved me from a side quest. There's <laughs> an area where the roads converge that any horse that crosses over it catches fire immediately. Yeah. What? Yeah. Biggs uh, showed me that. And and there's this guy. The, uh, in the video the is a road. wagon rolling up on the, uh, the crossroads. You see this pile of horses <laughs> and, right and burnt grass yeah and you're just like what the hell is this and then the wagon just kind of goes into it one horse touches one of the carcasses and just falls forward going and then poof, bursts on fire and then the thing just burns out and the it's so funny because the rider uh oh the first rider he got out and he caught fire so he's like looking around, like what the hell happened? And then he's like swinging his arm, ah, 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 and he just burns to death right in front of you. And then another wagon comes along, and yeah, it's it's funny. They just touch it and they burst into flame. And the but, the one Torgo showed me the other day is priceless. This is the one that goes back to Red Dead Redemption One. It is the best glitch I've ever seen in any game ever. That's wow. pretty awesome. Somehow the game reskinned the birds with skins of people. Ooh. So, I think I've heard of this. So, it's hilarious. So instead of the eagles flying over. I think Paul told this story. It is you know women in dresses and yeah. long <laughs> long dresses and, and, and men with cowboys in the hats. All flapping their arms in the sky, <laughs> and they will land and and start to pick at themselves like, 
like some yeah. birds will. Because that must they're, be they're, they're birds programmed with, shit. with a reskin. It is with reskinned humans, and so it's yeah. Find that, find that the videos of that. It's it's a, me telling you isn't even close to the magic that it truly is. Yeah. Wow. So that yeah, a lot of awesome. Red Dead Redemption. Anything else, gentlemen? Uh, I'm spent. I feel like, <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's something, Andy. But yeah, it'll uh, wait. All right, oh. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Uh, quick email, and this is a very quick email. But before we do that, I just want to remind the book club that the book for the month is "Consider Phlebas by Ian M. Banks. I'm about getting close to a third of the way through it. I thought the first rule of book club is you don't talk about book club. Listen, don't quote my shirts back to me, all right? (laughs) So, yeah, so we'll be opening up discussions on the 8th, which is very, very soon. So now, again, join us when you've finished, whenever you've finished, even if it's months from now. It's fine. We just keep it quiet for a little while. And, uh, yeah, on the 8th, we can start discussing it. Can't stop the Phlebas mail. Quick email from Martin. I'm in Las Vegas next week for business, and I have one free night. What one geek thing would you do in Vegas? Hmm, Andy. Uh, Clearly the Millennium Fandom Bar. Really? Yeah. Uh, The one thing. You have one night Mm -hmm. in Vegas, and that's the one geeky thing you'll do? If it's a Saturday, yeah. The two that pop to my mind are Pinball Hall of Fame. That's 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 what I come to immediately. Or The Void. Yeah. That's good too. Both of these both answers of those are great. were fantastic. The Void is at the Venetian. That's yes. the Star Wars Ghostbusters VR yeah. experience. I'll tell you the one not to go to. Oh shoot. The nerd at Neonopolis. Fuck that place. Yeah, oh, really? I did yeah. that last week. It's it's not great. What's wrong with the nerd? It's uh, a nightclub that not not uh it's not a place made lovingly for lovingly by and for nerds. It's a nightclub where somebody said, "Hey, nerds are marketable. Let's see if we can sell this." Oh, so it's kind of like insert coins. Well, mm, kind of. You remember Jillian's? Yes, that was the little bowling place. Yes. So the upstairs area where the bowling alley was. Yes. That's the nerd. Okay. All they did was repaint some of the walls in there and put a few other collectibles in there. And they didn't really change a whole lot else. But when they and when they, they opened, the when they I was there before, right before they opened, and uh, they had a whole back room that was supposed to be the game room that went away quickly. They had a rack of cosplay costumes you could wear, but they were basically like a rack of whole Halloween costumes. You know. <laughs> and nerd wow, because that's what cosplay works. People just put on costumes. Whoa, the, yeah, that's that is kind of a misunderstanding. It's, it's funny. It's funny how you know. It's like Alex at MFB is doing it right. He's doing a lot of outreach and he's doing a lot of, of, of community work within the nerd community. And that's how you do that sort of thing. You don't put up a bunch of shitty Halloween costumes and call it cosplay. Mm-hmm. Part of the whole thing of cosplay is making your own fucking costume. Right. And if you knew nerd culture, you would know that. I don't want to be a gatekeeper or right. a true nerd person, but I mean, really. It seems a little misguided. If you're yeah. doing one thing, that's not the one thing to do. Yeah, okay. Um, Meepleville was kind of cool too. If you're, you know, in the games, 
Um, That's the place where you pay a $10 fee and you can play all the board games you want. Right. It's a good place to try out games if you want to. And there are people already there ready to teach you how to play or play. Yeah, there's a couple of people. There's people running the place and usually people won't let you hop into their game. Um, Also, uh, alternate reality comics is amazing to see. Always. Always it, it, it is great. I don't know if I'd send somebody there. It's like, I got to do one geeky one thing. thing. It's one Vegas. geeky thing. So one thing. I, I agree. To go to a comic book shop that probably has a lot of the same comics in your hometown. Right. Going back to the nerd real quick, I'll tell you the other thing that will make you never want to go there. Okay. Remember Nerdgasms that used to be yes. over by the Pinball Hall of Fame? That is now pseudo-attached to and kind of part of the nerd. I I didn't so, hate nerdgasms. I it's it's I hated what they did with some of the collectibles. Hmm. Going out and getting them autographed, you know, ruining essentially ruining the You're talking the comic books themselves. The comic books, the different collectibles like prop replicas and so forth, well, you know. some sort of tricorder or something you wanted that they'd fucked up or as a ship they wanted something. That you yeah, know. there was there was a Star Trek, I think it was a uh, um uh, uh, Playmates Star Trek thing that I had been looking for for a while and uh, they had had an actor sign it and they it just <sighs> it is no longer a collectible toy yeah. when you write on it no matter yeah. who's writing there's, it right. there's zero resale value when you have somebody autograph that it's you especially either, if it's a super collectible yeah, toy until you're, they you're, die you're either autographing that Even for then. your own personal collection and plan to never ever part with it or you're an idiot. <laughs> so if you're here for one night. One night. Yes, I agree. Pinball Hall of Fame is great if you want to go play games and sort of be on your Audi just playing games and focusing on the nerd and, and you know, yeah. being by yourself. If you want to be sociable and have a few drinks, Millennium Fandom Bar. Depends on what you're in the mood for. But those are the two, those, yeah, those are the top two, I'd say, for sure. You want to paint minis? Uh, go to uh, Todd's Mini Place on yeah. Sunset. Go to your local game store and paint some minis. <laughs> I mean, War Room Games. You're in Vegas for a while. Check them out. But you got one day. Yeah, I'd say go to the Pinball Hall of Fame. It's a pretty unique thing to Vegas. I mean, I realize there's now other throwback arcades throughout the country. And there's a, but there's, that one's pretty special. There's other nerd bars across the country now, too. It's sure. kind of becoming a thing. So, yeah. But I, I always pimp the MFB because I really respect and like what Alex yeah. is doing. He's yeah. he's doing uh, he's doing a good thing. Some of it so. depends on where you're staying too. If you happen to be downtown, it's a lot as you get the MFB. Sure. If you're staying at the you know, Excalibur or Tropicana, it's a quick cab ride up to the Pinball of Fame. So yeah. yeah, there is that. Yeah, it's a fast. Yeah. It's a fast and inexpensive Uber yeah. ride too. Yeah. So MFB is also you know a block away from. Uh, Golden Silver Pawn Shop, if you want to oh, yes. see that. And you're not far from Fremont Street, which is its own freak show, so you can yes, throw uh, in a couple uh, things at once. That's the truth. Yeah. For a lot of people, I say if they're going just in Vegas in general, if you're staying on the Strip, you got one day to do whatever, my suggestion is just to take a direction, start walking. Yeah. Just, you're you're going to find something that catches your eye, and you're going to see a lot of amazing and weird stuff along the way. A lot. If you're, if you're downtown and that's where you're staying, it's the same thing, except also go to the east side of Fremont where Container Park is because that place is awesome. Really? Yeah. I took I took Miles uh, and, and as uh, Lady Anna through there, and we just sort of walked through. It's like, here it is, and it kind of looks like uh, Zephram Cockrum's house from... Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> other than that, though, it's always like, here's a bunch of shops that are geared for tourists, and I don't want to buy anything at because it's too expensive. Well, maybe it's changed since I, it's been a while since I've been there, because when I, last time I was there, it was all artist-run shops. Oh, no. No, that's gone. Oh, what is that now? Yeah, it's it's all... Like gift shops? It's it's touristy stuff. Uh, it's 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 high-end stuff. It's it's stuff sort of aimed for the Zappos people, but not so artsy. There was a, some sort of weird ice cream cone thing I want to try there that's... Uh, like puffed ice cream is like bubbles Ooh. of something in the ice cream. I will say some of, some of my favorite food is in there. Yeah. Not that barbecue place. though. That no. barbecue place is terrible. I was there where they closed the whole thing off for a beer fest too, and that was great. Okay. But uh, yeah, this, <laughs> the shops themselves, not beer so much fest. an interest in. I love that goddamn movie. <laughs> I just watched that the other night. I love that goddamn yeah. movie. <laughs> the sad thing is like the first time I watched it, I was like, this movie sucks. But then the second time I watched it, I just realized how brilliant it was. Now, usually when I see a movie and I say, this sucks, I don't go for a second. Round. Right. Well, it's just like, it's one of those is like I watched it. And I'm like, yeah. And then like scenes kept popping up in my brain and ah. it made me chuckle. And I'm like, maybe I need to watch this again. Well, huh. and yeah, uh, it's like a lot of the Broken Lizard ones. It, it's it's for a certain audience. I can't think of a movie that's done that to me. I can't think of a movie that's warmed up to me later on. Yeah, the, movies are not like music where you, you hear it the first time, you're like, eh, mm-hmm. but then you start hearing it a few more times, and you're like, okay, it's growing on right, me. Right, right. I've never had a movie grow on me. That's interesting. You're an interesting yeah. cat, Jeff. I'm, I'm trying I to so. uh, remember, because there are a couple where I saw something, and I was like, ugh, and then people would talk it up, and I'd give it another shot, and I'd be like, oh, okay, uh, I'm I that, see what's going on here. Yeah, I'm that way, too, and, and the other thing is, like, you know... I always try to find at least some redeeming factor in any movie sure. I watch, regardless of whether it's... I mean, there are some movies that are utter garbage fires, but might might be a, a redeeming factor in it, like maybe a way that a certain scene is shot. You're like, oh, okay, that's respectable. But, you know, I always try to find something positive out of it. Give me the redeeming value in the movie Chain Reaction. Keanu Reeves went on to bigger and better things. <laughs> hey yo, He'd done bigger and better things before that. And he did again. Okay. It didn't kill his career. <laughs> was a, There's your positive. It's a crime against nature that Morgan Freeman was in that monstrosity. Chain, I don't even remember that existed. Wow. It's where he outraces the uh, yeah, nuclear explosion Yeah, in, in the first 15 minutes, he motorcycles away from a nuclear explosion. Um, Which, you know, is a little more realistic than Arnold Schwarzenegger outrunning one in Pet Predator. Sure. sure. And it's more realistic is it than, a nuclear explosion predator? than Indiana Jones surviving one in a... Flying refrigerator. Hey. So chain reaction. Chain reaction. He's a scientist. It's not what it's made of that's going to kill him. Right. (laughs) Chain reaction. Keanu Reeves is a scientist. Has created cold fusion. And it it operates on a tone. There's a tone that makes is like the final piece that makes it all work together. And the scientists, the, 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 the villains find this out and they're spending the whole movie chasing him. Trying to find out what that magical tone is, like a like musical tone. Yes. Oh. So instead of like going, that sounds to, terrible. Instead of going to Kmart and buying a Casio and just going through the notes, they're chasing Keanu Reeves trying to find what the note is. They should have renamed it Brown Note. Oh my God, that would be much better. <laughs> oh, that wow. South Park. One. <laughs> yeah. And yes, he outruns a nuclear explosion in the first fifteen minutes, and Morgan Freeman is a villain. Sorry, spoiler. It's a terrible movie. Don't watch it. I'm not going to see Chain Reaction. No. I appreciate you telling me not to. Yeah. It might be worth MSCKing it, but uh, maybe, or I just won't watch it. Yeah, news you don't give a shit about. 
I miss, I miss Matt here. I need Matt here. Yeah. There's Matt, not enough hate Matt, coming Matt's at me. Matt, no. Matt says he'll come back. He's coming back next week. I, it's I, a, I, a terrible waste of man spreading. Yeah, going on there, Andy. Yeah, and I had a, I had an awesome question from Barry that I was supposed to deliver to Matt oh. on air, and Ooh. Matt's not here. To well, save it for d- next week. Deliver uh, it I'll now it because week. when Matt listens to this episode, oh. I've never heard it. Yeah. <laughs> I just need that fine sandpaper to hone me down and sharpen me, you know? I, I, I don't know how to I don't, respond to I that. I don't. I don't. Through. Respond I don't. to what? There you go. Yeah. News you don't give a shit about. The Willy Wonka film currently in the works at Warner Brothers Pictures has been confirmed as a prequel. By producer David Heyman during an interview with Collider, quote, we are still trying to figure out how to tell that story, what that story <laughs> is. It's a prequel, not a sequel. Not <laughs> they should be figure out not how, but this why. Hurts me so much. There, there you go. It's so funny. It kind of answers its own question. Right? Are you sure you didn't just like write down the dialogue from a pitch meeting on screen? Right? Oh. <laughs> Continuing the quote. Why are we doing this? What makes Willie? Because reasons. What makes Willie when we find him at what the chocolate factory? <laughs> Doing the golden ticket, where is he before that? What leads him to that place where he's locked himself away? How it's how how does he get there? Using so, so we're Oompa playing Loompas around for, so we're playing around with that, unquote. He's using Oompa Loompas for slave labor. That's what he's doing. Wonka's backstory is alluded to in the sixty four book by Roald Dahl in the seventy one film adaptation. Uh, but the character is mainly portrayed as an enigma in both instances and for a reason. I I, I Fine. If you have a great idea, hey, this would be a great idea for a prequel of Willy Wonka. Let's run that. It's not, let's create a prequel of Willy Wonka. What's that story? I don't know. Let's kind of figure out what that story might be. And in pitch, oh, I'm you know, broken. I'm broken. There's a actual book sequel written to it they could go through instead of, you know. The Great Glass Elevator? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. There's a lot of things they could do. But they always try to do stupid things. <laughs> I want I want the prequel for Charlie. How did his mom get pregnant? What was that <laughs> night about? Or was it even during the day? Yeah. And when she gave birth, was yeah. it cesarean or was it quick and easy? Yeah, take it, Bucket. You like this, don't you, Bucket? My God. <laughs> Um, bucket is worst last name. Interesting. You should mention that because now you've said that the bucket thing. Doesn't he have grandparents named Bucket too? I I I so I, I try not to think about Grandpa. Bucket. I believe he's a bastard. So Bad enough that I just realized. actually knowing Ron Roll Doll, he's probably the V's probably the result of a rape. <laughs> um, yeah, really. A dark motherfucker. Well, that and the fact that I just realized that. That'd be the worst bucket show ever. Willie. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, that's good. That was really good. Wow. Jeff cut me off before I could talk about Willy Wanker and the Chocolate Factory being a porn film. Oh, oh yeah. We were, I was, uh, all uh, anal all the time, huh? I discovered this talent. I was at the... the chocolate uh, Factory. You discovered yeah. what talent? I'm scared right now. <laughs> uh, my friend Celeste, and my character artist friend Celeste. Not Celestia. There's two. Okay. There's, yeah, Celeste. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, wait, well... Not huh? Celestia. Celeste. Okay. Um, I thought we you were, were just suffering from mush mouth no, again. No, no, no. We were, uh, we were out sitting on a quiet time at the doing caricatures, quiet. and she got into reading parody movie title names, and she discovered that I have the weird ability to... Both reverse engineer 
and uh, figure out what the title's going to be. So she would give me the porn title and I would tell her what the real one was or verse vice that she'd give me a real movie and I would tell her what the porn title should be. And I had about a 95% uh, success rate on that. So what's the porn title for Chain Reaction? Oh, there is no porn title for Chain Reaction because <laughs> nobody would make that because nobody's that evil. Bang Reaction. Yeah. That's not, not good at all. It'd Daisy be, be, Chain be, be, Reaction. Be, yes, there you there go. You go. That's ben. it. And that's what I was doing. <laughs> but but she had a list. She had a list of actual parody names. Right. And she'd give right. me the real name and I would I would find it very quickly. It's a weird talent. She would she give you the real name of the movie. She would give me the real name of the you movie. Would figure out what that actual porn yes. name would be. Yes, okay. I could. That's just I'm an idiot savant that way on that particular right. thing. I was disappointed when they just started getting lazy and started. That's doing what her it. point was. That was where like this the, where the whole conversation you know, started. Star Wars, a triple X parody. That's Star exactly Trek, a said. triple X parody. <laughs> Die Hard, a triple X parody. It's like yes. really. Well, all, by how, the way, what, all okay, real titles. Oh, oh, you know what? I'll test you now. What is the porn title for the parody of Terminator? Uh, I already know the this. first one or the first one. The first one. The first one. This is uh, a real movie. Fornicator. You what fa- is it? You fail. What is it? The penetrator. I'll come again. <laughs> Fornicating. Fornicating. Yeah, that's probably. the tagline. That's the tagline, and that's what he said. Yeah. Uh, oh, wow. When I was a kid, there was one porno theater in town, and it just happened to be about a half mile away from my neighborhood. Just happened. Sure, just happened. <laughs> so we would have to drive by Martha, it. Martha, we're moving here. <laughs> We would have to drive by it. And this was one of those theaters that had a marquee on the front of it. Ah, those. Unlike all those theaters that don't have marquees in the 70s and 80s and 90s. And uh, I, Wow. I, Somebody's I, a little To this day, salty. remember driving by it and giggling every time I saw Ramboner on the, <laughs> on the, uh, yes. on the marquee. <laughs> and not being able to tell my mom why I was laughing. What are you laughing at? Nothing, Mom. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> This next, you know what? I'm going to save this next story Aww. for when Matt is here. Okay. Oh, streaming because okay. he's going to be because he's the PC gamer. He's the, uh, the whole thing that happened at BlizzCon this week with Diablo. That's what I'm going to say. PC gamer. Yeah, he's anything very PC. un PC. Have you seen the jokes he reads on Reddit? <laughs> oh God. <laughs> so I'll move to the next news. You don't give a shit about <sighs> a statue. That is featured heavily in Netflix's The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina appears to have brought down the wrath of the real-life statue's owners, the Satanic Temple. Bullshit. Sorry? Keep going, but it's bullshit. (laughs) Okay, okay. Uh, Satanic uh, Temple co-founder Lucian Greaves tweeted on Sunday that the organization, which is described as a religious and political activism group with several chapters around the country, would be taking legal action against Netflix and the teen supernatural series for appropriating the temple's copyrighted design for a monument of the occult deity Baphomet. On the series, the adaptation of the Archie comic book, Teen Witch in Training Sabrina Spellman is enrolled at the Academy of Unseen Arts, a school for witchcraft at which the Baphomet statue is prominently featured. In addition to Greaves claiming that the show has lifted the statue's design from the central image of the temple, which he says went to some financial and creative effort to create the copyrighted monument, Greaves is concerned with Sabrina's portrayal of Satanism itself. Quote, the issue isn't the appropriation of satanic religious symbols to portray beliefs and activities that bear no relation to what the practitioners of Satanism believe, Greaves told Sci-Fi Wire. We don't own Satanism. 
And we can only try to educate people as to what Satanism means to those who identify with it when we're countering irresponsible fictions that feed real-world moral panics. It's one thing that there's another ignorant television portrayal of satanic panic-style satanic cult that engages in cannibalism, but it's another thing that they've used our unique and copyrighted Baphomet statue as the central icon of that cult. He continued, We spend a year and a half designing and financing our monument, which has become a central image of our organization. To see it appropriated in the Sabrina Monument, while associated with cannibalistic rites, is unacceptable. We owe it to everybody who identifies with us to rectify the situation. As to what could rectify the situation, Greaves has a simple demand. Money. Netflix needs to remove the image of our monument from the show, then they are not to use it in in future seasons. Both the real-life and TV statue are the offsprings of illustrations and wood carvings that date back hundreds of years, but the resemblance between the two is remarkable. Some respondents to Greaves' tweet contend that the show's alleged poaching of the temple's design is clear-cut, while others suggest that the temple should not spend time litigating over an image that's been in use for centuries. The temple statue was first commissioned in 2014 to protest the installation of a Ten Commandments monument on the grounds of the Oklahoma State Capitol, with the reasoning being that if one religious icon could be displayed there, others could be as well. When the Commandments monument was removed, the nine-foot-tall, 2,000-pound bronze Baphomet statue was completed and debuted at the Detroit's chapter of the Satanic Temple a year later. It was parked outside the Arkansas State Capitol earlier this year to protest another Ten Commandments monument. Uh, Netflix has yet to respond to the temple's accusations. Please, Andy, enlighten me. Well, you say you basically said it. it's, it's hundreds of years old, and the image is hundreds of years old. It yes, there are some very the, the kids in front of it are very specific. I, I think they could have avoided the whole thing if they didn't have the kids right, in the front. Exactly, because that's really the copyrighted part of the statue. Right. Two children in front looking up to Baphomet. Right. But a lot of this protest is also a publicity stunt from the Satanic Temple, which, it, yeah, I'm, I'm with them as far as their whole trying to get religious icons out of uh, public places, um, taxpayer-paid public places, but uh, it's it's really more publicity than than uh, outrage. I agree with yeah. that. And, and also, it's... Frankly, pretty good publicity for Sabrina. It as is, the TV and I've been hearing the show's really good, actually. Yeah, yeah. Not to mention, if you've ever tried to explain to somebody that our modern legal system is not based on the Ten Commandments. Yes. So I, I like what they're doing in that regard. They're, the, 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 the satanic movement is basically an atheistic movement when it comes down to right. it. So uh, at, at one point, I see their point because, yes, the if you look at the two statues in their full... Yeah, it's not just a Baphomet statue. It's a recreation of their right. Baphomet statue. But it's the kids that do it, not the Baphomet. Yes, the Baphomet exactly. is very yeah. If they had just done, if they'd done it without the kids, the the satanic group wouldn't have a leg or hoof to oh, stand hoof. on. Yeah. Thank you, thank you very much. I'm here for the next now thirty correct. minutes. They got they you, devil. You. I don't. Uh, I don't get your goat, huh? I don't know if you can answer me this, Andy, because you're the only artist in the room. What? Oh, physical artist. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. So I've heard in the past that with tax-exempt organizations, they don't actually own the copyrights to something that they've commissioned, like religious organizations. However, the actual artist who created that does hold the copyright, and he could actually sue. Hmm. 
Do you know anything in regards I don't. to that? That's that's specifically list of having run on Pekrens. Yeah. The reason I brought that up is because uh, the um, is a similar case came with the um, the Statue of Liberty here at uh, New York New York oh, Hotel. Interesting. The uh, U.S. Postal Service commissioned a stamp with the Statue of Liberty oh, yeah. on the front, and turns out that the picture that they used wound up being a picture that somebody took of that statue here in Vegas, and while they secured permission of the person who took the picture, they didn't pre- secure the permission of the person who actually did that statue, and the government argued that, well, it's something that the federal government owns, it's the, you know, the Statue of Liberty, but then the artist came to court and presented that, that you know, his version was actually based on kind of a composite between his wife and his mother-in-law and all this stuff and showed pictures and showed his process. And he ended wow. up actually winning several million dollars. From That's hilarious. The post, postal service. So. There was a one time, I think it was five. I think there were five statues of Liberty in Las Vegas at one point. Really? Yeah. I, I think there was one in the Luxor. Oh, every year during tax time. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> hey, oh. No, I know that, I know that there's one like on West Sahara in front yes. of some Liberty Plaza. Okay. Yeah. And which then... was built in 86. You know why? Why? Because that's when they were renovating the Statue of Liberty, so it was in the news. Oh, okay. Why are you staring at me like that, Torgo? <laughs> I, I still don't know why. Because it was, they, they, they were, every magazine had articles about the Statue of Liberty. Yes. So when they were building a plaza, it's like, what do we build to attract people to the plaza? Statue of Liberty, stop this Statue of Liberty, Scott. He's right. Like all okay. over the country, people were building replica Statue of Liberty statues to take advantage of the hype surrounding the renovation i mean hell it was even in remo williams oh wow he's, he's climbing the he's statue true. of liberty the actual statue of liberty with, scaffold with scaffolding on it yep. yeah oh. so yeah but there was that one there was the sarah the one on the yeah, that one and there was well, i think there was one in new york new york and i know not new york new york oh well there's the weird creepy one in new york new york for sure um yeah, there's one inside the hotel. There's Which one is also a, a weird combination of Marilyn Monroe and uh, Statue of Liberty. Gotcha. Uh, no, there was, I think there was one inside uh, the MGM theme park, too. So I think there was like mm. five at one point. Never got to go to that theme park. Shame. I worked it. Did you really? Yeah. So did Kay. Yeah. No, I didn't. Damn it. You worked the you worked the MGM though for a long I time. I worked MGM, and you worked. Did you, you work the uh, the little the little hallway down there, or is the that the hallway leading to it? Yeah. Uh, but they actually worked to keep us separate from the theme park. They didn't want us associated with the soft heads. So oh, gotcha. The only time I was ever in the theme park was the one time the Oz characters were used when a rich northwestern jeweler magnate. Some dude who owns a whole bunch of jewelry stores in the Northwest uh, got married. And uh, he had his uh, little trophy wife. And he bought out the theme park and then bought us to actually participate in their Vegas wedding. Wow. So they had a Vegas wedding in the theme park that was bought out. And we were the only other people there. Dorothy was like ring bearer. Uh, I... Jesus, I think I gave away the bride. Whoa! Uh, I mean, it was. It Wait, was when you just, say you're the only the people there, the bride and the groom and you guys, and that's it. And the and the person no officiating the wedding. so there are no guests. No, we were the guests, and wow. they bought the theme park, and he bought out the theme park. Wow, that's that's your vacation fantasy right there, Torgo. Um, what? <laughs> 
the the movie uh, vacation World. being oh. uh, having the whole thing oh, park I see. oh I see. Okay. okay 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 i was like <laughs> I, I, I think i have grander aspirations but yeah. so i've never thought to ask you this before the the uh, um the dorothy's you uh, okay, what the hell was the movie the vince vaughn movie um no i mean but did would no share <laughs> I mean, she was a re- the girl in that movie was a in Swingers was a reference Swingers, to that. Swingers, that's it. Okay, but yeah, no, that wasn't our Dorothy or anything. Right, but I mean, what did, what did your Dorothy? What was your Dorothy's reaction to that thing happening? Or uh, okay, enlighten me. It's been ages since I've seen Swingers. What's the scene? There's a scene uh, where they're hanging out in an RV, I believe. Yes, smoking pot, and uh, this is after they went to the MGM. And Dorothy is there smoking with them. Okay. Which wouldn't have happened anyway because the costume, makeup, um, and wig were all MGM. So, so you, 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 you went there and got into costume yeah, and left you, it behind. You left it behind when you clocked out of work. So, But, I mean, it was funny. Uh, my friend Ron and I, who Ron also worked MGM as Scarecrow, we laughed at that. But, you know, that's, yeah. Never would have happened. No. Notwithstanding the fact that, um, the do- well, well, actually, no, one of the Dorothys would have smoked. So, yeah. Okay. Can Never I mind have- that story. Weekend Geek! Yay! According to a report from Variety, Empire writer, that's the magazine Empire, Malcolm Spellman, has been contacted by Disney to pen a Falcon and the Winter Soldier limited series for the company's upcoming streaming service, Disney Play. This would be the first rumored Marvel series to land a writer. Sebastian Stan first appeared as Bucky Barnes in the MCU in 2011's Captain America, the first Avenger, as one of Cap's Howling Commandos and Steve Rogers' best friend. Anthony Mackie's Falcon showed up for the sequel, where Barnes, thought to have been killed in battle, had become the titular Winter Soldier. Uh, though they <laughs> I said titular. titular, though he, <laughs> they were originally at odds, Barnes has struggled to overcome decades of brainwashing and regain his identity. By the time Captain America: Civil War rolled around, the two fought alongside one another. This news comes just weeks after the one-two punch of Netflix canceling both Luke Cage and Iron Fist mm. after their respective sophomore seasons. But unlike Netflix's own corner of the MCU, this new round of Disney Play series will play directly into the main continuity. Imagine that. With Marvel Studios boss Kevin Feige. Feige. That's Feige. how you pronounce that. Feige. 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 At the helm, Feige. Tom Hiddleston's Loki and Elizabeth Olsen's Scarlet Witch have also made headlines with news of standalone series of their own. That's going to be cool. The idea is to give eight-episode runs to MCU characters who are less likely to get solo films. All right. That's good. Yeah. I like this chemistry between the Falcon yeah, and yeah. Winter Soldier. Absolutely. A fact of the... There was chemistry where... which, What happened? It's, it's, it's with Infinity War and so on. Infinity War? Yeah. Mm. I, I want that series. I like, yeah. I like the idea of this series. This is mm. a, a bit of a spoiler for people who haven't seen Deadpool 2, so shh for the next five oh, seven seconds. Um, this is something they pointed out in... Uh, um, Jay and Miles uh, podcast, uh, the one we saw. Um, the actor that played Shatterstar, yeah, yeah, the actor that played Shatterstar, uh, went off in his whole tweet about how excited they were to have the part, and uh, 
and uh, how much they were looking forward to the Shatterstar spinoff movie. You know, obviously, they were in on the joke, but they were right, just but they 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 played it up to the hilt until the movie came out. That's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> I do like that. That's pretty awesome. And then Miles mentioned that in in Deadpool Two, Shatterstar did actually spin off. <laughs> it was funny. Parts of them spun off. That's what he said. Parts of them spun Parts off. Parts of them spun off. <laughs> uh, this next one actually does have spoilers. So if you're uh, concerned about spoiling The Walking Dead, haven't seen the latest episode, hmm. oh. um, you might want to skip ahead about five minutes or so uh, because there is news that came out that pretty much spoils it anyway. But to get to that news, <laughs> I have to spoil the episode. Uh, the fifth episode of The Walking Dead's ninth season, here's where the spoilers come in. Uh, what comes after, that's Andrew Lincoln's exit from the long-running series. Yeah. Rick, Rick Grimes' last episode. And they were like, they were advertising it. It says Rick's final episode yes. on AMC. And yes, I'm like, they were going nuts. They, yeah. That's all I saw for a couple weeks. Exactly. Uh, especially with the being on the Eli Roth right. history of horror. Scene oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, his character, Rick Grimes, appeared to have sacrificed himself. Then in the show's final seconds, Rick was rescued and taken aboard a helicopter and flown off with the promise of a better life to come. While Lincoln won't be returning to the flagship series, AMC announced that Rick Grimes would anchor a trilogy of feature-length films that continue his character's story. Really? Yes. Film production will begin early 2019. Scott Gimple, the franchise chief content officer, has said that the films will start with Rick's helicopter ride and continue all the way through where the flagship series is now. It could also carry on past The Walking Dead's most recent time jump. Given that Lincoln's done with the series, the show's principal actors are currently negotiating new contracts that will allow their characters to appear in other Walking Dead-related properties, which could include the upcoming Rick Grimes film trilogy. Uh, Gimple told The Hollywood Reporter that the films will explore the vast mythology of a world overrun by the dead. So yes, Rick Grimes left the series to flagship the new Walking Dead movies coming to a theater near you. Without wow. the actor. With the actor. Oh, with the actor. You missed yeah. that part when you went to go again. Oh. And stuff. you were gloating up ice. Yeah. That's <laughs> getting nice. I'm thirsty. <laughs> so I don't, I, just, I don't know how I feel about this. I'm. It actually makes me more interested in seeing Walking Dead than I have been because <laughs> I'm, I'm still somewhere in the middle of season two. And all I'm hearing from people is, is this is slog of everyone's going to die eventually. Everyone's going to die eventually. That's kind of why I stopped watching it because it just felt like there was just no. There was just the first few seasons. There was at least some glimmer of hope that you know these people could lead a you know a somewhat fulfilling life, even in this horrible you know world turned. Undead. But if you do that, you no longer have a show. That's yeah. the final episode of the whole yeah. series. Not so. It so. was just like it was just tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. And after a certain point, I was just like, I can't. There is. Uh, I just and, can't and, and do the, it anymore. I mean, the comics. They're bringing the Whisperers. If you're familiar with the comics, into the this season of The Walking Dead. If for those who follow that, if you don't follow that, you don't know what comes in. Nope. Um, yeah, I so, just couldn't do it anymore. But the comic has continued all this time. It's, right. it's I I did I hear it's coming to an end? 
I can't remember if it's coming to an end or not. The comedy I itself. thought I heard that too, but I could be wrong. It's in my brain somewhere, so maybe I heard it. I I, I still like The Walking Dead. Um, I, I I will say that the last episode I saw was with Jeff, and that is the Negan episode. Uh, which you know, I realize it's been a while, but I still don't want to spoil that if you haven't seen yeah, it. The, it's the, quite a one-two gut and soul yeah, punch. That that premiere was tough to get through. And that I, that was kind of the end for me. It was just like I can't. You know, there's mm-hmm. a character that goes away that to me felt like it was the one character. That you that, identified with that that you were. I think that was. To? I think that was part of it. I also think that you know you have the different personalities. You know you've got the you know the the kind of warrior mentality. You've got the healer mentality. You've got the the hopeful. You know the RPG campaign. Yeah. Hmm. So I think they took when they took that character out. They took that that hope, and all you had left was the we're in the shit forever now, and all we have left is to fight. And that's it. Just after that, it just kind of felt like it's been an interesting experiment to watch, and I, I and I intend to get back into it and watch it eventually. Amongst the a million other yeah. things, I have to watch. Right. Um, I mean, zombie. But he, the the thing is about the Walking Dead, and what's so impressive with what the Walking Dead did is they have sustained a horror TV show of a singular story. That's near impossible. It's true. You you think about the horror movies you've seen. You can't extend any of those into a TV series. You can't have a Halloween TV series. They did, I guess, with Scream for, for a while. I guess that's still kind right, of going. I forgot about that. a show that. called Buffy. But that's not horror. That had elements of horror in a teenage high school f- and then college fantasy. It was more fantasy than horror. Hmm. It's, it's, it's a hero fantasy. All right. You know. This... Walking Dead is a horror TV series. Nobody is safe in that show. Nobody. And and that weighs on you over time as you become attached to characters old and new as they come and go. Yeah. And I think the Negan episode for a lot of people, and the numbers bear this out, was kind of a turning point. Yeah. Mm. And I... And and that's why a lot of people who read the comics were like, they're doing Negan. Oh, here comes the Negan stuff. I, that's because I never read the comics after a certain point. But one thing I did hear from those who did was, oh, when Negan shows up, that's when things go off. Yeah. And I read the, uh, just because of all the hoopla, I read the issue that basically is that episode. And even the art in that is just like horrifying. Sure. It's uh it it's it's an unpleasant read. So wow. I have to give it to I mean, I know there's a lot of detractors out there, people that's like, ah, I got bored after season two or whenever. I I stayed on at least that point because I, it's an impressively done horror series. Hmm. I mean, horror series up till now, the ones that were successful were anthology stuff singular stories and you you know tales from the crypts and freddy's nightmares and uh, twilight zones more sci-fi than horror i guess but those kind of shows see i'm running through the i mean obviously there's supernatural out there supernatural that's another action adventure exactly yeah dark shadows is a soap opera yeah um monsters 
Comedy. Comedy, right. Um, and Adam's family. Um, yeah, I can't think of anything. It's like either anthologies or, yeah. Yeah, mostly anthologies. And there's a few that were tried, Poltergeist, the series, just plain wasn't good. Mm-hmm. But even that was more of an X-Files kind of thing. Yeah. Right. So hats off mm. so the so walking dead it's still going and not only they're they still going they're gonna make movies and apparently fear the walking dead which i never started is really good now and is considered by many to be the better of the two shows Interesting. Hmm. and they've been crossing over characters with that and and they've already as we announced uh, i think it was last week that or the week before that they are planning on branching out Walking Dead into a full universe of shows. Hmm. So obviously this movie set is the first salvo in that. Well, there's more. I mean, there's a whole world out there. It'd be really interesting to see what else they tackle, what else they approach. That's what Um, I mean. Obviously, that's what I liked. One of the things I liked about uh, World War Z is that it wasn't all one spot. It was the whole world. You mean sure. the book? Yeah, the book, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, um, and also, it talked about when the catastrophe was happening. Yes. Like, the flashbacks in the beginning of Walking Dead and the opening of Fear the Walking Dead was what I was interested in. Uh, like, you know, that, that moment in Fear the Walking Dead where that one, people are talking, and this one plane is just, shh, and crashes and you know what's going on on that plane right and uh and then they i think they even do an episode you want to see the disintegration of civilization not how people deal with exactly when civilization is gone it's funny i actually like i like uh another thing i like about buzzy is that the um the other side of it you know when they when they're trying to rebuild society after the the zombie apocalypse which doesn't have you don't see that a lot in a lot of movies. You're right. You really don't. That's I I'm trying to even think of another kind of horror series, even book series, whatever, that you could do that. What because that's what The Walking Dead is based on. It's like, okay, we saw this zombie movie, Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead. What happened to them after that? What happened right. to them after that? And, and the real monsters are actually other people. Yes. The zombies are actually um, really a MacGuffin. Yeah, when it comes down to, to it. To talk about the story. There was this English TV show I watched when I was living in Kuwait called The Survivors, which was a show about a plague that swept the world and killed off the majority of humanity like like 99% or something. And so that was a a kind of survival show and it was English and so it was it was not an action show. It was it was very the nitty-gritty you know, of survival. Yeah, and but it wasn't horror because there really wasn't I mean there was no supernatural element, there was no monster element anything like that. So that that I would say almost comes close but it doesn't it doesn't get there yeah it on this kind of longevity i don't yeah it'll be interesting to see what the layer comes up with if anybody yeah i'm interested has any any other ideas i i want to say that there's got to be something british i bet there's something japanese yeah well Mm. it could be um yeah i mean i mean yeah you well they did battle royale for a while 
as multiple movies and I think there was a TV series too in Japan but I don't I don't know what else they I mean, I'm I'm not familiar enough with a lot of the you know the popular Japanese culture Angelica help us what's right? what's what's uh Joe Ma- Manganello was in the American version being human is that the Yes. It's about the ghost, the werewolf, and the vampire? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but that was more, uh, I want to say situational comedy, but okay. it, it, it was more of a humorous series, even though it had some very Humor. serious moments. True it. Blood? I don't know if I'd call it horror. True Blood was definitely not horror. That was more, I would say it was Buffy-style action. It was more uh, southern mystery with uh, supernatural elements. Southern mystery. Yeah. All right. So, so we're laying out for the lair what we won't accept. There we go. I mean, when you speak interview up. with the vampire, that's ob- a romance when it comes down to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, All right. It, it's so yeah. So it goes out there. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm help us, lair. Sure. Maybe other things that tap into that, but it'd be close to what Walking Dead is. Uh, what I'm thinking is like a, a Herbert West animator, reanimator. Mm. Uh. Yeah. Really. That's just, one that possibly could, but that is when it comes down to it is reanimated dead. Just watched that the other night. It was on for yeah, Halloween. Excellent. Now, I haven't seen the whole series. I think Jeff has, so I'll question on this. Ash versus Evil Dead. I haven't watched the final season, but uh, I really enjoyed it. Sure, mm. but I mean, is would you consider that? It's a only horror series. A, oh yeah, it's a um, horror. It's it, a horror, but it it's it's got, it's got a, a lot, lot of elements. A lot of, com- lot of com- I mean, it's, it's 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 vintage Evil Dead. Yeah. yeah, it's that it walks that fine line between horror, comedy, and action. Okay. Yeah. So, if you could, you know, mash up the three, and and balance it out perfectly, that's I, what you would get with the series. I I think the the kind of the defining thing is that. Is the monster stronger than the humans that are the main character? The one, right. the humans have to be the main character. If the monster's the main character, it's no longer horror. That was um, that was a definition I heard some writers use a decade ago. They would say action adventure versus horror, and there was the character protagonist competence. And if the protagonist had a high level of competence. It kind of veers more into action adventure. Yeah. So you, like you can't have a a twenty four style Jack Bauer character versus right. the, the right. monster. You're the the lead characters in Monster Hunter International, which you had a bit of a yes. problem with. Uh, the the best comparison I think uh, pop culturally would be Alien horror, Aliens action. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the so to be a horror series. They have to be regular, everyday people that are underpowered against the force that they are fighting against. Or, yeah, even if they're military personnel, like like a popular thing in gaming is the so-called Delta Green, which is a special ops military unit that is dedicated to fighting Cthulhu-like uh, sure. creatures, Lovecraftian horrors. But... If the horror is big enough, even their competency is not enough. You know, um, there is yeah, there is that something you know, to that Cthulhu level of of grand mind. Beyond. Right, right. There's just it doesn't matter 
what you've what you're packing, you're in trouble. And and how how the protagonist is portrayed. You know, Ash Ash there's plenty that Ash does that it's like even in that kind of situation But he's kind of a clumsy superhero. Yeah, a normal human being would not do. Yeah, I was gonna say Ash Williams has certain elements of brilliance that are foiled by his ego. Sure. Half but, the time. And he also takes punishment right. that yeah. no normal human could. Uh, actually, m- most of the hero-type characters in that do. And and, uh, I, and I think that's the key. The the humans in this cannot be super-powered humans. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, a lot I, of them are. Buffy, for example. And you're talking about episodic shows as opposed yes, to a where, ser- where movie have, series. Right, where you have, yes. There's a TV show where you have the same characters week after week's those that survive mm-hmm. and of course new characters come in so All right. that's, that's, that's a tough tough road to haul but monkeys maybe maybe you got an idea are I we don't. entering an age of that what about like the dome isn't that going isn't that a series or going to be a series and and you mean the stephen king the dome yeah isn't it, it was and it, it was a series it failed? that okay they stretched it it should have been a limited run series uh they stretched it out in, I want to say, four seasons. Wow. Um, and it was like, it was a summer series. So you're only getting like 10 episodes, which I thought should have been enough to tell the whole story based on what I, I never read the book. So I don't know the full story, but what people have told me about the book when they, that they, that when they have read it is that they could have probably covered the whole story properly in 10 episodes for one summer series, but they stretched it out into like four I remember watching the first two and at the end of the second one going, so they're bringing it back next summer and okay. And then I just kind of lost interest with it. There, there's one TV show that kind of skirts the line on this, possibly accepted, but it might put your mind in a different frame for this. And that is uh, Hannibal, the TV series. Mm. Uh mm. How long did that last? That lasted a couple seasons. Dexter. What about right. Dexter? Dexter been... Is that procedural? That was more procedural. There was really a, all that much horror to it. It was. It, there was a lot more psychology to it than okay. because it was him trying to fight his nature and then eventually succumbing to his nature but channeling it for what society saw as positive because him being... A sociopath, he didn't really have any empathy, so he was really gauging what he felt was proper to do with his killings based on his father, his sister, and the people that surrounded him that were his friends. So, how they reacted to th- yeah, things, exactly. It's although, a brilliant series, but yeah. not necessarily a horror. Although you start right. to see... And even, yeah. and even Hannibal is more of a police procedural with horrific elements and not right. really right. horror. Right. So, and Mads McKelson. And he was awesome in that. My God. He was really super impressive. Yeah, say, we, well, we spent a lot of time <laughs> on that, but I got, yeah. we're, we're going to push out one more. It we're was a worthy out. discussion. It was. I, was. I really liked that. Uh, and I'm really curious to see what people think as far as possibilities of horror TV series. Uh, Sci-Fi has partnered with ScreenBid 
to auction off several items from recent network shows and fan favorites from past decades. Uh, the crown jewel is the 29-foot Cylon Raider from Battlestar Galactica. Whoa. Uh, there are some smaller items up for grabs. Uh, Twelve Monkeys fans might be interested in the Word of the Witness, a Titan ah. medallion and chain, or the uh, Constance painting featured on the show. Warehouse 13 artifacts heading to the auction include Ooh. Carl Schwarzschild's pocket watch, Artie's steampunk Segway, and Claudia's energy gloves and DARPA suit, Ooh, and nice. parts from H.G. Wells' time machine. I really liked Warehouse 13. I did, too. Digging deeper, a uh, Tauren pin from the short-lived BSG spinoff Caprica will also be available, as well as some office signs and props from Eureka. The auction, Eureka. the auction kicked off online November 1st and ends Friday, November 16th. So if you're interested in this stuff, uh, you might want to check that out. Uh, also, uh, Mario Segale, you brought this yes, up to me. Yes. Uh, Italian-American real estate mogul and businessman who inspired the name for Nintendo's most recognizable mascot has passed away at the age of 85. Segale owned the... I, they, the NPR was pronounced in Siegel. Is it really? Yeah. Siegel. Yeah. Siegel owned the Tequila-based warehouse outside of Seattle, Washington, where Nintendo had rented some office space. It was during this time that the company was developing Donkey Kong, the title that introduced Mario, originally known as Jumpman, to the world of video games. God, I forgot about that. As the story goes, Siegel... Not Sagale once stormed into the warehouse sometime in his early 80s, angrily asking for overdue rent money. While not recounting this exact tale, the creator of Super Mario, Shigeru Miyamoto, uh, sorry, Miyamoto, confirmed the character is named after Siegel in a 2015 video published by Nintendo. And Rockstar's games Red Dead Redemption 2 set an all-time record for the entertainment industry, pulling in more than $725 million in its first weekend. Oof. While Red Dead 2's opening weekend haul is the biggest ever for an entertainment property, of course, beating out things like Infinity War, mm-hmm. yeah. it's not the highest-grossing video game debut of all time. That particular honor is held by Grand Theft Auto V, which took in over a billion dollars during its first three launch days in 2013. Now, since GTA V was released on a weekday, a Tuesday, it did not break a weekend record. See what they did there? Uh-huh. Allowing the long-awaited Red Dead follow-up to take the top spot. Uh, some other accolades held by this game are highest ever pre-orders, highest day one sales, and highest sales for the first three days in market on the PlayStation Network, Sony said. Uh, with an average of 97 on Metacritic, Red Dead Redemption 2 is also currently the best-reviewed game for both the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Acting to a prequel to the first game, Red Dead Redemption 2 uh, follows American outlaw Arthur Morgan, a member of the Vanderlyn gang. Cool. Such a good game. Yeah, that's such a good the problem, crazy The problem money. with that game is after I played it for a while, mm-hmm. I start talking like Morgan. Do you? Yeah, and I talk like this for like the next 15 minutes, mm. and it really annoys my wife. Freaking actors. <laughs> Freaking actors. Um, okay, I went ahead and cheated and, Cheat. and pulled up a... Um, it was a procedural, but it was fucking actually horrifying. Uh, Millennium. Ah, uh, yes. Millennium. I, I would say that's a precursor to Hannibal in that yeah. regard. What was... 
I know that name. Millennium what was the series was the follow-up series of the X Files of the X Files. Yeah. yeah. Oh right, right, Lance right, right. Lance Henriksen. Okay, now I know. Very, what you're very about. good. Yeah. But um, yeah, now, a lot of people loved it. Fri- Friday the Thirteenth was an anthology series, right? Yes, Friday the okay. Anth- Friday the Thirteenth the series. Though I love the concept and some of the episodes, had nothing to do with, with the movies. That's it, what I heard. It, it, yeah. it, but the, the, the logline's great. A, I think it's a brother and sister or a brother and cousin. I can't remember what. But but two people inherit their grandfathers or fathers or uncles whatever curio shop and it turns out that he made a deal with the devil and all those curios were cursed that's right so Uh, they were tasked with going out and getting all those cursed items back to get them out of the public oh wow a fun idea the hitchhiker the Hitchhiker, an anthology series for HBO. It's an anthology. Tales but from X-Files the Dark Side. X-Files sort of sits in Very there. Very anthology. Okay. X-Files sort of sits in the hard. Kind of. It definitely, they're overpowered. It's, it's skirts the line between horror, procedural, and... I'd put it more um, to supernatural. And supernatural. Yes. Supernatural, it also gets a little science fiction-y. Supernatural yeah. mystery. It, yeah. It kind of, yeah, it spans the three because they are they do the whole investigation thing but then sometimes they give up on trying to explain what they saw. Right. Yeah. It didn't go long yeah. enough. They uh, had some horrific episode. Tombs is yes. the one that comes mm-hmm. to mind. Yes. The guy that could s- stretch himself off and yes. bite people. Uh, and, of course, Stephen King wrote an episode of it right. famously about a doll. And then they had the downright just silly episodes that were, you know, you know, treasures. Yes. Shack the Night Stalker. That's not long. That was two seasons. Sure. Or, and that was the one. inspiration for X-Files. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But is that uh, more investigative? As yeah, I'd say that's mm-hmm. more mysteries. Night Gallery. It, 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 really, it really is sort of the the uh, monster of the week. Uh, right. The fir- yeah. I mean, as far as I can think of, the first monster of the week show. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, yeah, Night Gallery was an anthology series. It was a wonderful anthology. Oh, series. which made me think. We were talking about the props for the the. the have you have you seen Night Gallery? Uh, yeah, the TV show. Yeah. yeah, I have the first season on DVD. Okay, because because they made paintings, real paintings. paintings. Yeah, there so people, somewhere there is an actual. Somebody has a bunch of those. Somebody yeah, must. have. People out there have, have attempted, and those are owned. Yeah, for, no, I, I don't. I don't doubt it. Crazy. But you're right. I would love to have an actual painting from yes. that gallery. That would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's, that's such right, an exciting so idea. That's that, Yeah, it it's funny because th- um, there will be uh, there will be some uh, anime and Japanese because there are a few Japanese horror series out there. Okay. Um, and but a lot of them, a lot of what I'm looking at, it really will fall under kind of. Uh, kind of adventure you know, sure. uh, like a, um, uh, it pops up all the time on Netflix as a suggestion, the uh, Van Helsing, the, the, okay. uh, the it, it, female Van Helsing, and it's like after the- one the, from sci-fi? Uh, I- I guess I th- I th- I'm pretty sure that's the, yeah that, that's from sci-fi. And that's a very Buffy-esque show. Okay, yeah, because that yeah it, it but it the premise seems interesting because it's it like was all right. After, the ones I've seen, I only saw about four episodes. Yeah, but I, I haven't watched any of it, so I haven't. Mm. Um, so but you got. Why not? I, I will say that Mist could have been mm-hmm. 
The Mist. Sure. Could have been a horror series that worked if they didn't make it so terrible. There there's that, but but family high school drama. Yeah. Winona Earp, which I didn't care for, but might fall into there. You know that what? That did have some... That's the one I'm thinking of. Why not not Van Helsing? Not Van Helsing. Earp. Okay. Why not? But there That's was the a Van Helsing thing on sci-fi. Yes. yes. And I or, thought it was a female lead. Yeah, yeah, it is. Okay. But the one that I was referring to that I saw oh, was Winona yeah. Earp. Okay. So do you have the Keith Knight news in there, or is that something you're going to save for next week? Or The Keith Knight news? Uh, go, go ahead. Oh, with it. Keith Knight's a cartoonist. I know. Um, they're making a... They're going to make a show based on his life, or they're you know, loosely based. A, a, he's a fictional character in a show they're making. I, they, I saw the listing of his cast, of the casting of it. Hmm. I don't know anything about it. All right. Well, I don't know who this well, well I'll find out more detail. Well, okay. he's, he's, he does a... Um, uh, he did a strip called The Nightlife. He still does a strip called The Nightlife. And okay. he does a... Um, uh, Is it more sing- of like an American Splendor kind of thing? No, it's more of a... Um, it's kind of a political humor. Uh, uh, Doonesbury-esque kind of, but... What the fuck? Yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah, we went far enough that we started crossing over to... Oh, the, dear. Yeah. Well, we better stop. We're, 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 Otherwise, we, we'd be smothered with uh, Steve... <laughs> We don't want to be smothered by Steve. Yeah. Well, maybe we do. <sighs> huh? What's well, your Steve? What's your horror series? <clears throat> Write to us, comments at UglyCowShow.com, or put it in the Shock Monkeys layer on Facebook. And until next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Well, Steve. <laughs> yeah, apparently. And we'll Fact talk check to Andy. We'll talk to you next week, geek. <laughs> Oh, wow. boy. oh boy! Well, c- cut the banter off right now. We're gonna be enveloped by Steve's. I, oh my I, goodness, I've, Andy is just—it's gonna be too bad. Steve is gonna beat me in DC deck building That's again. I say he was traumatized by the he guard was. game. He was. Although you know what, I had a pretty good victory in there in mm. one of those games. Which part were you traumatized by the the impressions that Steve does while he's playing the deck building game? Oh no, I, or I the encourage those. Days. Okay. Now, That's what, true. No, You're, you are kind I, of a I, dance I, monkey dance. I love of. how on the live show you led Steve into two impressions. No, he started one. He started one. You let him yeah, in. I let him in the second one. Okay. And the, um, during one of the Rick and Morty card games, Andy got the location card Squanch, ah, Squanch yes. World, and Andy had to Squanch every time he wanted to draw a card or yeah, something. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. And so for some reason, Steve felt he had to counter Andy's Squanch with a Steve O face so needless to say the game was very pleasant for me (laughs) don't put up with daily strife find out what is best in life crush your enemies see them driven before you thanks Conan